So in my Sunday Night Vampire game, uh-huh. we have a Discord where we talk about the things that we talk about. Mm-hmm. And I just read the words, don't knock toe sucking. I don't have a foot fetish, but I dated a guy who did. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that just happened. Uh, yeah, don't knock toe sucking is now going to be the name of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Jones didn't knock toe sucking. <laughs> We don't know what's what happening. With, what's happening with you? Uh, I'm just reaping the benefits of discount coffee at Starbucks now. Mm-hmm. We have so many empty Starbucks cups in our house right now. I should probably get those reusable. Cups. Yeah, I should probably yeah. invest in a reusable cup and then just send that with her in the morning and be like, "Bring me back a coffee, please and thank you." Are you just living on matcha? or Are you drinking actual coffee? Drinking actual coffee. Ooh, I'm drinking uh, the vanilla sweet cream cold brew. Oh, cold brew. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And this one I got extra sweet cream. I do like the sweet cream. It's a good. It's a good. Welcome yeah. to The Strange and Unusual, <laughs> where we discuss The Strange and Unusual. This is episode 81 of our series, seeing out the weird, the unexplained, and the devious from around the world. I'm Roya. And I'm Casey. And this week, Patreon, wa- Patreon wanted it, Patreon got it. We're finally setting up for a two-part dive into Jim Jones and the People's Temple. What a weird dude. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> I'm so torn about him because right? he, like has, you, he does so much cool shit and then he's also just such a giant pile of shit. You start out and you're like, this guy, this guy, okay, maybe we've got, maybe we've got a cult we could be behind. <laughs> and then, and then very quickly it goes, oh no. Yeah. Oh no, oh no, oh no. Yeah, pretty like, much as, like the, like we'll the get TikTok. There, but like pretty much oh, as no. soon as they leave Indiana. It's just bad. Yeah. From there on. And I feel so, I feel so, so much for Marceline or Marceline or however you say her name. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that, that lady, she was a loyal bitch. Yeah. She was ride or die. <laughs> um, she was ride and die. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, well. But if you would like to affect these kinds of episodes where we go to our Patreon members and ask them what we should cover, you can join us over on patreon.com slash strangeunusual. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, all at variations of strange and unusual. They'll all be in the show notes and at the end of the episode as well. So come join us, banter with us. Sometimes you can just make a suggestion on Twitter and we'll look at it and be like, oh, wow, yeah, we haven't done an episode about that. We should. And then we'll do it. Yep. Not happened. a guarantee because that's really for Patreon, but it has happened. <laughs> but. Also, it happened once because it happened once. So if it happens more, it might happen more. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> Thanks. This is going to be great. Oh, we are so ready. All right. So um, I am basically, we're splitting the episode, how we've kind of done it in the past when we've covered Zodiac. Like, yeah, Zodiac. BTK. Mm-hmm. In such episodes as you may remember. <laughs> Okay, Troy McClure. <laughs> so um, I'm going to basically be talking about Jim Jones and the origins of the People's Temple all the way up to the arrival of the congressman in Guyana. 
Um, and then Casey is going to be talking about the very swift downward, sp- downward spiral of the people's temple. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm going to talk about the investigation, uh, what happened after that, and what happened after that. Because I know you all want me to talk about what they did with the dead bodies of Jonestown. Yeah, I'm very here. And I'm here for it. Um, and, you know, Jonestown is a thing. There's tons of good documentaries. There's tons of... Mm. Also very traumatic documentaries with survivors um, talking about their experiences there. So be yes. cautious. Make sure you're in the right state of mind to watch those kinds of episodes because I watched one where they were talking to a guy, a man who survived while his family didn't. Was it Vernon? <sighs> Might have been. He was like passing the note to the to the journalist. I think so. Benny thought it was the congressman. Maybe. And he had to sign a waiver to leave his son behind. But they like played recordings of mm. what happened and everything. And his reaction is very visceral and it's very uh, hard to watch. Um, so anyway, we lose for my section at least. And I'm sure it will go over into Casey's section as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Mass murder. <laughs> Just a little. Slavery. Uh, child murder. Alleged animal death. Racism, the KKK, Adolf Hitler, Mao Zedong, uh, Father Divine, uh, <laughs> just That's, everything, everything. If you can think of a bad thing, Rosalind just prepare Carter, for it. The Carters, I mean, that, that might trigger some people. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, James Warren Jones was born on May 13th, 1931 in a rural area of Crete, Indiana. Jim was of Irish and Welsh descent, but would later claim Cherokee heritage as well on his mother's side, which members of his mother's family say were completely inaccurate, and there was no Native American in their family lineage at all. He just desperately wanted to be not white in that sense. I don't blame him. Uh, yeah, I get like, it. Yeah, like, come on, dude. Don't, don't claim it when you don't have it, but I get it. Yeah. <laughs> So due to the Depression, he and his family would move from Crete, where he was born, to Lynn, Indiana. And as he grew up, he was an avid reader, um, and he studied such incredible leaders as Mahatma Gandhi, Joseph Stalin, Karl Marx, Mao Zedong, and Adolf Hitler. All right, hold on. Just real quick, because you mentioned Mr. Stalin. We need to stop and say, person on Twitter who apparently thinks we are just fucking in love with Soviet Russia. <laughs> I, I'm i still salty about that. This person, I don't know their gender, but basically came up in my tweets for last week's episode with the bad bitches and was like, actually, the Soviets weren't just as bad as the Nazis, if not worse, and was trying to mansplain World War II to me. Like, yeah, Get we know. Here. It's a war. Everybody we never said, sucks. We, we never said Stalin Stalin equal God. Yeah, all pretty Stalin, no. Not, not us. Okay, that's all I'm saying. And like I said on the Discord, too, which if you want access to the Discord for all of this hot goss, uh, <laughs> join our Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash strange unusual. But um, it's it's a war. Like, no one's going to come out smelling like roses. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, we still... The U.S. tried and we still sucked. Yeah. We still dropped nuclear bombs onto areas of Japan, completely changing how life existed for several decades. <laughs> what do you mean? People live there now, right? Totally fine. Safe to live there. In some of the areas... <laughs> That was an episode of Dark Tourist I wasn't expecting to get freaked out by. Yeah. 
Okay, go ahead. That's I just wanted to interject that <laughs> since you mentioned Mr. Stalin. So Jones also became intensely interested in religion and shock of the century had a hard time making friends. You know, like a fucking psychopath. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. Childhood acquaintances recall the Jones as a, quote, really weird kid, <laughs> which I think a lot of us can kind of, uh, I read that, can kind of agree with having been called that at one point or another. Yep. <laughs> um, he was obsessed with religion and death, alleging that he frequently would hold funerals for small animals on his parents' property and that he had once stabbed a cat to death. Oh, boy. One childhood acquaintance noted that after German prisoners of war arrived in Lynn from World War II, one patted young Jones on the head, to which he responded, giving the Nazi salute and shouting, Heil Hitler. What a oh, charming wow. kid. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one. Go ahead. Go ahead. I thought that came later. <laughs> Jones's father became associated with the KKK, which caused Ugh. issues between the father and the son, which is really weird to me that you're like pro-Nazi but anti-KKK. Like, they kind of go a little hand in hand with like hating people based on race. Yeah, unless you're thinking from the 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 the, the, bleh, the socialist standpoint of of that part of it because that's But to look at prisoners of war and oh, Heil uh, Hitler, I, like, yeah. that's a little bit more not necessarily worshipping the politics, but worshipping the person. Oh, no, I'm, I'm saying if you were to look at just that part of it, <laughs> and solely. Um, so Jones was an avid integrationist, and he said that he uh, said that he didn't speak to his father for many years after one of his black friends was not permitted in the family home. Mm-hmm. And his parents separated, and he moved with his mother, because obviously he wasn't going to get along with his dad. Fuck you, to, dad. <laughs> to Richmond, Indiana, where he would graduate from high school in 1948. He got a job as an orderly at Reed Hospital in Richmond, and was well regarded by management. Though later on, staff members would recall, like, staff members, like, of his own kind of bracket would recall that he had a lot of strange behavior and had had several allegations of, like, manhandling patients that were immobilized. Ooh. Like, people that were in traction and stuff like yeah. that, just being a little too aggressive and a little too uh, heavy-handed. Um, he would meet Marceline Baldwin at Reed Hospital, who he would marry in 1949. The couple would then relocate to Bloomington, Indiana, where he attended Indiana University. Jones attended Indiana in... <sighs> <laughs> Jones attended Indiana University for two years and then took night classes at Butler U University, earning a degree in secondary education in 1961, 10 years after enrolling. Oh, wow. While he was in college, he heard Eleanor Roosevelt speak, which just like, wow, what a cool thing to experience, mm -hmm. about the plight of African Americans in the U.S., which would reinvigorate his desire to have equality among the races. Mm -hmm. Sounds noble, until it's not. Until it's not. <laughs> Um, in 1951, the couple would relocate to Indianapolis, and Jones began attending gatherings of the Communist Party there. He started getting upset with the McCarthy hearings and the people who were involved with the Communist Party USA getting, you know, pulled into 
conversations and meetings and things like that, uh, trying to figure out what was going on, including his mom. He had he got really mad because I guess he started getting his mom to go to the communist meetings, mm-hmm. and she got like stopped and berated by like neighbors and stuff who had found out that she was going to the communist parties, and he got oh, wow. really mad about that. Which well, like this at is the time, I Cold War time, right? Yeah, like. <laughs> So he was trying to find a way to demonstrate his political be- his political beliefs, and the way that he decided to do it was infiltrating the church. So it's a common practice throughout so many of these communist leaders that the way they found out the way to reach people was through faith, was through, through religion. Jesus. So in 1952, he became a student pastor at the Somerset Southside Methodist Church and later claimed he left because the church leaders wouldn't allow him to integrate the congregation. Um, Around this time, he first witnessed a faith healing service at the Seventh-day Baptist Church and noticed how it attracted people and, more importantly, their money. Mm -hmm. So Jim Jones set up a religious convention to take place from June 11th to June 15th, 1956. He brought in a well-known healing evangelist, evangelist, I'm trying to say like evangelical, a well-known healing evangelist and Pentecostal leader who was in good standing with Oral Roberts at the time. Great. Oh, yeah. Uh, Reverend William M. Branham. So Jones and Branham's joint meetings were very successful and attracted an audience of around 11,000 people. Whoa. Of course, this made Jones want to start emulating Branham's style of, quote, healing in an effort to get more money. And it wasn't long before people thought he had a supernatural gift for healing, quote unquote. After all this, he was able to begin his own church, which had several names before he finally landed on People's Temple Christian Church Whole Gospel, later shortened to the People's Temple. He was ordained officially in 1957. I I don't know why. Suddenly in my head, I was like, where he gave people's elbow. (laughs) (laughs) He's the fucking rock. Sorry, I got tickled out of nowhere. Let's go. Let's keep going. Um, Jones would later start to preach that Elijah the prophet was going to return. And Jones was the voice of God and would promote the belief that the end of the world was coming. That's important later. Yeah. Jones was known to regularly study Adolf Hitler and Father Divine to learn how to manipulate members of the People's Temple. He actually met Father Divine and he told Jones to personally, quote, find an enemy and to make sure they know who the enemy is and that that would unify the group and make them subservient to him. Also, Father Divine was a religious black leader who claimed to be God and went on to lead his own cult, so probably a topic for another day. Yeah, that's a different one. Um, That's a let's talk about not quite so large scale cult. Yeah. In 1960, Indianapolis Mayor Charles Boswell appointed Jones director of the local Human Rights Commission. The mayor asked Jones to keep a low profile, but being a narcissistic psychopath, that wasn't going to happen. That's not going to. That's none of the cards for me. I'm Jim Jones. (laughs) Don't you know who I am? (laughs) Toss hair. (laughs) He had enough hair to toss. He did. He stated, he started going on news outlets, um, so local radio and television, and was openly expressing his views. Uh, he was asked to chill on public actions, but nah, not Jim Jones. Not Jim Jones. He went to a NAACP 
and Urban League meeting where he yelled for the audience to get more militant to wild cheers from them. Also, I remember watching an episode of some true crime documentary and some old white guy called it the NAACP and I it took me like a full ass <laughs> 30 seconds to realize what he was talking about. <laughs> I've literally never heard someone call it the NAACP. NAACP. Uh, yeah. So during this time, Jones also helped to racially integrate churches, restaurants, and and the telephone company, the Indianapolis Police Department, a theater, an amusement park, and the Indiana University Health Methodist Hospital. So like, he did a lot in Indianapolis to integrate their communities. I mean, the hospital and the police department would have been huge. Did I lose you? I do. Oh no. Are you there? Can you see? Oh no. The next show is to week the fuck. During this time, Jones also helped to racially integrate churches, restaurants, the telephone company, the Indianapolis Police Department, a theater, an amusement park, and the Indiana University Health Methodist Hospital. So he did a lot to Mm -hmm. help Indianapolis integrate, especially things like the police department and the hospital. Those are huge things to integrate. Yes, absolutely. Swastikas were painted on the homes of two black families. And Jones watched through the neighborhood, comforting black local black community, lo- comforting the local black community, and counseling white families not to move out of the area. But he was also pro Hitler? Question mark. <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe I, he just really didn't like Jews. I don't know. Maybe he's like black people are cool, but not the Jews. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Uh. Jones was accidentally placed in the black ward of a hospital after a collapse in 1961, but he refused to be moved, making it a big political statement and a big to-do about it. Um, he even, once he was feeling better, began to make the beds and empty the bed bedpans of the black patients in the hospital. Oh. Um, political pressures resulting from Jones's actions caused hospital officials to desegregate the wards. Look at that. Doing good in the neighborhood, like doesn't. Applebee's, until he doesn't <laughs> like Applebee's. <laughs> um, of course, this caused issues with less progressive sides of Indianapolis. Um, among other incidents, a swastika was placed on the People's Temple, a stick of dynamite was left in a temple coal pile, and a mm. dead cat was thrown at Jones's house after a threatening phone call. Oh, poor cat. Um, Why do the cats have to suffer I for this? Know. It's always the cats, occasionally the dogs. God, I hate always people. The cat. Maybe it's just because they're like easier when they're outside a lot. I don't yeah. know. Keep your cats inside, people. Yeah, seriously. It's better for them, it's better for the environment. That's right. They're killing too many birds because there's too many cats. Just get a nice catio if you feel like they need the outside oh, exposure. That's so bad. We wanted to do that but, here, but it, you know, we have to move, so. Yeah, motherfucker. (laughs) Um, Proceed. (laughs) From 1954 to 1959, the Jones family would have or adopt seven children. One was biological. The remaining six were adopted, most of them from varying ethnic backgrounds. So um, uh, they had like one, their first child was a Native American. Then they adopted three children from Vietnam. They had one child biologically. 
they adopted one son from who was orphaned from temple members and then they were actually the first white couple to adopt a black child in indiana as well man every time like i turn around i'm like yeah this guy this guy had some good ideas and then you're like hitler and i go oh yeah (laughs) Oh, right. Hitler. Um, So in 1962, the Jones family would move to Brazil, uh, fearing an imminent nuclear attack on the U.S. On this trip to Brazil, he would go to Guyana for the first time, which is important later. Mm -hmm. They would stay in Brazil for about a year before moving back to the U.S. due to concerns of the People's Temple collapsing without his involvement in it. In December 1963... Jones returned from Brazil and told his congregation in Indiana that the world would be engulfed by a nuclear war on July 15th, 1967. I mean... I don't think that happened, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> no. No, I don't think it did. But given <laughs> given the Cold War, I can't blame anybody for believing that. But don't worry. They had, for no discernible reason... Who moved to Northern California, where it would be safe. Interesting. I don't know why Northern California would be safe. uh, Especially because they're (laughs) arguably the closest target for a Cold War Russian attack. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's going to be my area. It's the biggest military area in the the country. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Um, I'm probably going first, everybody. Don't worry about it. That reminds me, my my brother lived in this uh, apartment in Southern California that was like on facing the ocean and basically just Mm -hmm. had like a cliff drop. Like there wasn't a beach. It was just like the edge of shearing the cliff. My grandma freaked out and she was just like, what happens if there's a tsunami? And he's just like, don't worry, grandma. I'll be the first to know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. We're going on a lot of side tours today. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> we gotta lighten it up somehow. Because your episode's gonna fucking suck. Yep. In the 1960s, when the communist ideals is when the communist ideals began creeping into his sermons, feeling that he had indoctrinated his congregation enough to start making moves for his real goals. In one sermon, he preached, "Quote: If you're born in capitalist America, racist America." fascist america then you're born in sin but if you're born into socialism you're not born in sin but hitler but hitler <laughs> okay yep i'm here you i'm still on this journey <laughs> by the early 1970s jones began uh deriding christianity as a quote fly away religion he started rejecting the bible as a tool to oppress women and non-whites and denouncing a quote sky god who was no god at all. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to side with him here. <laughs> Jones also began preaching that he was the reincarnation of Father Divine, Mahatma Gandhi, Jesus, Gautama Buddha, and Vladimir Lenin. Oh, fuck yes. So he was <laughs> the reincarnation of people that were alive when he was born. Yep. So somehow yep. he is also reincarnated as people who are already living. I love this. I love this for him. And I also love it because we are clearly super supporters of the USSR and everything that they did. So, Oh, yeah. I sure do love Lenin. I would, I'd go to see his body. Well, yeah. That's not the same. <laughs> You'd go I'd see probably a lot give him a little kiss bodies. on the forehead. You know, thank him for his service. 
I mean, I bet I if, don't know. <laughs> I bet if Hitler was super well preserved and everything. I don't. I don't think anybody would let him get that far. I don't think anybody would either. But if he would, if he were, if he uh, yeah, would, I, okay, I, yeah, would go, I would probably go. You would go and see I'd him. Go make fun of his little mustache. Yeah. <laughs> call him a call him a douche nozzle. <laughs> right to his fucking face. So, uh, former Temple <laughs> member Hugh Forston um, Jr. quoted him as saying, "Quote: What you need to believe in is what you can see." If you see me as your mm. friend, I'll be your friend. If you see me as your father, I'll be your father. For those of you that don't have a father, you'll. if you see me as your savior, I'll be your savior. If you see me as your god, I'll be your god. That's manipulation 101 right there. <laughs> Take a note. It started to become clear that the People's Temple was not about religion, but was about Jones's political agenda. In the late 1970s, Jones would state in a phone conversation that he was agnostic and an atheist. Jesus Christ. <laughs> His wife talked about how he was promoting Marxism in the U.S. by mobilizing people through religion, a tactic many communist leaders used. He actually picked it up from Mao Zedong. That's how he did everything was was yeah. going after the the common man and then working his way up. The number of cats that came into the vet who are named Chairman Meow really really strikes you. <laughs> what was the one? I wanted to do um oh, I wanted to do Chairman Gaga from cuz I just thought that from, Chairman Chairman from, is a really from, funny like official title for a cat. Chairman Kaga from uh Iron Chef. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The good, the good Japanese version yeah, of Iron Chef. Fuck Iron Chef crazy. America. Fuck Bobby Flay. I hate that. Give me back Japanese Liberace. And all the crazy and I love the guests that don't make and sense. And all the crazy guests. And I love the fact, I love the fact that everybody is dubbed except for Kaga. <laughs> <laughs> because his voice is so good that Americans even went, no, we want to hear his actual voice. Yeah. Just give him subtitles. <laughs> Um, so Marceline also said one time that he once slammed a Bible on the table yelling, quote, I've got to destroy this paper idol. Ooh, shit, Jim. In one, ser in one sermon, Jones said, quote, you're going to help yourself. You're going to get no help. There's only one hope of glory that's within you. Nobody's going to come out of the sky. There's no heaven up there. We'll have to make heaven down here. Conspiratorial thinking but you're also is definitely like, a sign of mental health issues. But you're also like, I mean, I get oh, it. Damn, dude. Yeah. But then Hitler. Are you right, though. <laughs> <laughs> In the early 1970s, the People's Temple grew exponentially, which required them to expand further and move to a larger city, San Francisco. So um, I think I was reading the statistics that Jim Jones claimed that they had like over 20,000 members or something, but it was actually mm -hmm. closer to like six to 9,000, which is still a huge number for a cult. Oh, yeah. Um, while in San Francisco, the People's Temple, the, the People's Temple's influence on the city grew, raising Jones up to new heights politically. He met with such figures as Harvey Milk. Uh, he became really Ooh. good friends with Harvey Milk. Uh, First Lady Rosalind Carter and Walter Mondale was the uh, vice president, uh, possible vice president. Um, Marshall, Marshall Kilduff was a reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle and decided that the People's Temple seemed weird and he was going to do an <laughs> investigative piece on it. What year is this? Uh, this is the s 1977, early 1977. Okay, so this is... This is pretty hot after Zodiac territory, too. Yeah. 
Um, the People's Temple abruptly moved to Guyana, or started the move to Guyana, in the summer of 1977 to set up a commune and farm where they could be free to be integrated and practice the religion and politics that they believed in. This was definitely not due to the fact that Kilduff's article shed light on numerous reports of physical, emotional, and sexual abuse from the defectors of the People's Temple. Uh, Jones Jones had started building the People's Temple Agricultural Project, informally known as Jonestown, in 1974. And several years before the article was... So, basically... He was already working on Guyana before the article came out. But right. once the article came out, he was like, no, we got to get the fuck out. Like, yeah. they're going to actually start investigating us. This is actually going to go to the CIA and the FBI. Like, we're going to actually get investigated. So he was promoting the Jonestown as a means to create a, quote, socialist paradise and a sanctuary from the media. We'll see how well that goes for them. It does not. (laughs) Spoiler. (laughs) Um, Jones and some of the high-ranking officials of the temple had gone to Guyana and negotiated with the Guyanese government to purchase 3,800 acres for the temple. They ended up choosing Guyana for a multitude of reasons, um, which included things like the people in the area were predominantly indigenous people or black people, which made him feel that the black members of the congregation would feel more safe and accepted there. Right. Um, they also had socialist leanings already, and the prime minister was open to cooperating, taking bribes, with the mm. temple and their needs. <laughs> In April 1974, he had 500 members of the People's Temple settle on the land. So it actually got to the point where the People's Temple outnumbered the actual Guyanese people tremendously. This area went from like having like 40 people in the area to having like 900 by the end of this. That's all right. Not for long. Um, He worked with the Guyanese government to have certain items be able to be imported duty-free and later would pay the government off to smuggle in weapons and drugs. We do love weapons and drugs here in Jonestown, don't we? (laughs) Yeah, especially Jim Jones. Especially Jim. (laughs) Jones reached an agreement to guarantee that Guyana would permit temple members mass migration. So Guyana had really specific... um, restrictions and limitations on immigration and they made it really hard initially outside of the people's temple they made it really hard for anybody outside of Guyana to move into the country Um, and when they had so many people all come in all at once the amount of immigration was of immigrants was so high compared to what Guyana normally dealt with that their immigration office just was like inundated with shit to mm. do and like could not handle how much work was just suddenly on their plate. They went from having like two people immigrating to 500 in like a, a month span. Wow. Um, so he claimed to the Guyanese government that the members of the congregation were, quote, skilled and progressive um, and showed off an envelope that he claimed contained $500,000 and stated that he would invest most of the group's assets in Guyana. Um, he claimed. That makes, me, that makes me feel like it wasn't actually in there. Um, the, <laughs> the Guyanese immigration procedures were also compromised to inhibit the departure of temple defectors 
to try to curtail and to try to curtail visas for temple opponents. So they oh. specifically designed it to make it harder for people to leave Guyana if they were defecting from the temple and made it harder for people who were not affiliated with the temple from the US to come in and have cause problems. That's smart. Yeah, it's unfortunately you know, evil, but smart. <laughs> By everything I read, the Guyanese government fucking loved Jim Jones, though, and thought that Jonestown was the perfect model socialist society. He was trying to establish a model communist community. Many of his followers believed in this and trusted that it would truly be a utopia. Then Jim Jones arrived in Jonestown and everything went super to shit. Yep. So yep. fun movies that, that have been shown. Huh? I said that is true. Fun movies that had been shown in Jonestown to entertain the congregation and the people who had gone there to set everything up suddenly stopped when Jim Jones arrived, and they switched completely to Soviet propaganda about how bad the United States was. Oof. Bureaucratic requirements after Jones's arrival sapped labor resources for other needs. Buildings began quickly falling into disrepair, and weeds started to encroach on the fields for crops that had been made. Mm. School study and nighttime lectures for adults turned into Jones's discussions about revolution and enemies with lessons focusing on Soviet alliances and Jones's own crises. Um, he also didn't permit temple members to leave the settlement, you know, because he's a fucking crazy person, cult leader, megalomaniac. Mm -hmm. They had to have express permission from Jim Jones himself in order to leave um, without being hassled, without having, you know, getting murdered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's important later. Yeah, it is very important later. Um, members of the cult began to notice some problems, though, uh, while they were in near constant contact with their fearless leader. Uh, things like he was definitely suffering from several drug addictions. But despite the issues, Jonestown still had some aspects that made Jones not lose respect by some people in his social circle, including the fact that Jonestown was completely racially integrated and had frequently helped uh, disadvantaged people. And Jonestown was 68% black. And I think 47% of black women. Um, yeah, it was pretty high. Yeah. And at first, temple members worked six days a week, 12 hours a day, with an hour Oof. for lunch. Six to six. After the workday ended, the members would then attend several hours of activities in the main pavilion, mainly focusing on classes about socialism. Uh, Jim Jones was a huge fan of North Korea, and so the Korean leader at the time, Kim Il-sung, Jones compared the schedule that he had established in Jonestown to the North Korean system of eight hours of work followed by eight hours of study. Mm. Um, they also began to gradually accept, uh, sorry, they also began to gradually subject the members to mind control and behavior modification techniques borrowed from Kim Il-sung and Mao Zedong. I don't really care for that, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah, I, I don't really either. <laughs> if we could, if we could not do that, Jim, mm. I think it would go a lot better for us here in Jonestown. He disagrees. Oh, well, I'm probably dead. <laughs> Jones would have, quote, discussions around current events, which were really just a form of interrogation about what the members thought about what the subtexts of the news was. He would go on these confusing, weird monologues about how to read certain events. 
And in addition to Soviet documentaries, political thrillers such as The Parallax View, The Day of the Jackal, State of Siege, and Z were repeatedly screened and minutely analyzed by Jones. Um, there was a point in time where, like, I don't know if I talk about this later or not, like, no one could even watch the documentaries and stuff without there being a temple leader there to explain to them all of the subtext about the movies that makes sense in a manipulation kind of way yeah you're you have to be the smartest person and if anybody is smart then they're a threat well and it's also thought manipulation it's, absolutely it's just like if i tell you what this is about then eventually you're just gonna believe that this is what this is about mm -hmm. um recordings of commune meetings show how livid and frustrated jones would get when anyone did not find these films interesting or did not understand the message that Jim was that Jim himself was placing upon them. So he was fucking spiraling and he probably was just like, you know, oh this bowl of pudding means that, you know, the American capitalist pigs wanna eat black people because it's chocolate. Like that's like he's gonna spiral. He's gonna do weird shit. Like That's the drugs. <laughs> yeah, also the drugs. <laughs> yeah. Also, he was already crazy, and then he got addicted to a ton of barbiturates. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, and the, like I said, everything had to be viewed by a temple staffer um, to be interpreted. Uh, recordings of Jim Jones reading the news were a part of the constant broadcast over Jonestown speakers. Broadcasts were made throughout the day and night. White nights, baby. Jonestown primarily... Jonestown's primarily... Oh my god. It's not your night. <laughs> Jonestown's primary means of communication with the outside world was shortwave radio. All communication between San Francisco and Jonestown were transmitted using a radio from mundane supply orders to confidential temple business. The FCC actually cited the temple for violations for using amateur frequencies for commercial purposes. Which, of course, Jim Jones twisted into, like, the American capitalist pigs trying to stop them from yeah. doing what they were doing. Yep, 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 yep. Um, so, also, those fields that were tilled, well, they couldn't really grow enough food for everybody because the soil was poor. Because they didn't check it to see if, you know. They could actually grow yeah, shit there. Yeah, they could actually grow yeah. shit there. Like, just because grass is there does not mean it can grow crops. <laughs> nope. Um, the housing situation was basically small communal houses, and some of them even had walls. Whoa. What? <laughs> walls? Made in this economy? Wow. Yeah, in that Impressive. economy. Uh, most of their diet was rice, beans, and greens, and occasionally they had meat, sauce, or eggs. Ooh, eggs. Despite. To his credit, despite having estimated $26 million by 1978, Jones was also living in a tiny communal house. His house reportedly had a small refrigerator containing at times eggs, fruit, meat, salads, and soft drinks. Hmm. So he wasn't like living like some crazy lavish life while everyone, aside from the drugs. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, <laughs> drugs and soft drinks, man. Yeah. That seems pretty luxurious. Oh, man. Also, the people he was having sex with. Yeah, that's a thing. So, that's a thing. 
Um, medical problems like severe diarrhea and high fevers ran rampant through the community in February of 1978. Uh, Jonestown had no form of prison or capital punishment. But don't think that that's because there weren't any punishments. (laughs) No, those punishments were like fucked. Yeah, so methods of punishment included confining a person to a 6 by 4 by 3 plywood box... Not a cell, not any, a box. Yep. What's that thing from Hook? (laughs) The boo box or whatever? The boo box. I was thinking, I was like, this reminds me of that chokey. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Also, children were punished by being forced to spend a night in the bottom of a well. Sometimes they got to spend the night in the bottom of the well upside down. That sounds super fun. Oh, How wow. did they not die? I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. The quote torture hole and beatings became the subject of rumor among the Guyanese population as well, which means that there's probably a lot of stuff we don't know about that was going on here too. Mm. Um, for some members who attempted to escape, drugs such as thorazine, sodium pentanol, which is truth serum, uh, chloral hydrate. Demerol and Valium were administered in a, quote, extended care unit. So they basically just drugged you up so much that you didn't know up from down and then you stayed in a bed. (laughs) Look, I wouldn't mind some Thorazine sometimes. (laughs) Just put me in a bed. But like, you know, at your own discretion, not administered to you by your crazy secret police cult leader cops. (laughs) Yeah. Ar- yeah. Armed guards patrolled the area 24-7, uh, not to keep animals out, but to keep people in. And I'll tell you, they definitely used those guns, but we don't know how many times they did. <laughs> people would just go Enough. missing, and you didn't know if they, like, made it out or died. <laughs> that happened a lot. Yep. That, yep. Children were generally surrendered to communal care, which, like, alright, kind of get that takes a village blah 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 yeah um but they were only allowed to see their biological parents very briefly at night so they weren't like kept Mm -hmm. with the family at all which i that's too much for me yeah um jones was called a father or dad by both adults and children yeah the community had a nursery in which 33 infants were born the commune was primarily run through social security checks for members that were signed over directly to the temple in 1978, officials from the U.S. Embassy in Georgetown interviewed the recipients on multiple occasions to make sure that they weren't being held there against their will. All 75 people who were interviewed stated that they were not being held captive, they were not being forced to sign over their welfare checks, and none of them wanted to leave Jonestown. Wonder uh, if that was under duress? or Probably. <laughs> like, because, yeah, that's, wow. Jones would often make addresses to the followers about the safety of Jonestown, including that the CIA and other intelligence agencies were conspiring to destroy the settlement. After work, when purported emergencies arose, the temple would sometimes conduct what Jones referred to as white nights. White nights. White nights. During these white night events, (laughs) Jones would give members four options. Attempt to flee to the Soviet Union commit, quote, revolutionary suicide, stay in Jonestown and fight the purported attackers, or flee into the jungle. 
on at least two occasions during White Nights, after a revolutionary suicide vote was reached, a simulated mass suicide was rehearsed. Temple Deborah Layton described the event in an affidavit she would provide in 1978. So this is her quote. Everyone, including the children, was told to line up. As we passed through the line, we were giving, given a small glass of red liquid to drink. Flavor-Aid, not Kool-Aid, by the way. Yeah, that, that Kool-Aid, man. Not the Kool-Aid man. The Kool-Aid, comma, man. In this economy? <laughs> Where? We sometimes have walls. <laughs> anyway, so... And sometimes have sauce. <laughs> um, so they were given... We were given a small glass of red liquid to drink. We were told that the liquid contained poison and that we would die within 45 minutes. We all did as we were told. When the time wow. came when we would have... Should have dropped dead, Reverend Jones explained that the poison was not real and that we had just been through a loyalty test. He warned us that that he warned us that the time was not far off when it would become necessary for us to die by our own hands. Yeah, and it's important to note that like this is not a uh, a heaven's gate situation where everybody was literally just chilling and was like, "Yes, we want to do this. We want this to happen. We are going up into space." Like this was not a this what's about to happen in the next episode non-consensual death plans yeah and and a lot of people were starting to become disillusioned by this point mm. and were starting to want out but it was really hard to get out to get out yeah if not impossible without dying um so casually in 1976 the temple began to receive monthly half pound shipments of cyanide purportedly to clean gold as Jones had obtained a jeweler's license in order to buy it. Yeah, he did. I'm a jeweler now. Totally not a capitalist, but definitely a jeweler. <laughs> um, if this is somehow the first time you've heard about Jonestown, that's important later. <laughs> Jones would also again begin to push for the idea of the People's Temple and their doomsday. He believed that once his followers were settled in Jonestown, he and his followers would die together and move on to another planet to live in bliss. He called this action, quote, translation. Jones also started sleeping with a ton of other women in Jonestown. Sleeping with, quote unquote, uh, I have a very strong suspicion that most of that was not consensual. I See, I was under the impression from some of the things I read, this that part of it started well before oh, I'm sure. they moved. There was one I was reading about in, there was a book, uh, Raven. It's like the supposedly supposed to be like the definitive work about Jonestown. And like this lady was talking about how they went to visit her sister, who is a member of the People's Temple. And her husband wasn't there when they arrived. And the parents told her and her sister, her younger sister, to go out for a walk while they talked to her sister and this man. And it was told that he, she was basically acting as his wife because his actual wife, Marceline, wasn't sexually active for him or, you know, couldn't have children or something. Uh, and so they, he started having these, this open relationship sort of thing with Marceline very early on. Yeah. With, temple members yeah so i quotes nobody else could see I that mean, i was there there were many air quotes going on throughout that and the his inability to keep it in his pants is ultimately yes. his downfall and causes yes. the downward spiral for everything too yes 
So, uh, like I said, he started sleeping with other women, fathering children with others. Um, in autumn of 1977, Timothy Stowen and other temple defectors formed a group that they called the Concerned Relatives um, because they had family members who were remaining in Jonestown, some of whom were stuck in Jonestown and could not get out even though they wanted to. Um, Stowen, for example, had been married to a woman named Grace. They were both members of the temple. And Jim Jones claimed father of Grace's son, despite Timothy being listed on the birth certificate, was him. So Jim Jones is saying, this kid's my kid. Whoa. Tim is saying, no, that's my kid. That's my kid. Uh, the temple repeatedly claimed that Jones fathered the child, child in 1971 when Timothy Stowen himself had requested that Jones have sex with Grace in order to keep her from defecting. Oh, oh my. Grace defected in 1976 and began divorce proceedings from Timothy. Jones told Timothy to take the boy to Jonestown to avoid custody issues during the divorce because there's no extradition in Jonestown. Um, in 1977, Timothy defected, but his son was kept from leaving and had to remain in Jonestown. So in 1970, in January of 1978, Timothy traveled to visit the State Department officials and members of Congress in Washington, D.C. He wrote a paper detailing his grievances against Jones and the Temple, and his paper roused the interest of California Congressman Leo Ryan, who's very important later That's, yeah. and now also in this yeah. episode not now currently because what happens in casey's episode <laughs> spoilers spoilers ahead um so leo ryan wrote a letter to the guyanese prime minister uh forbes burnham on behalf of timothy and the concerned relatives also started a legal battle over the custody of Timothy's son and some of the other children and people who were kept um, in Jonestown that did not want to be there. A lot of Jones's political allies started to break away from him after he moved to Guyana, um, but some were still in his corner. For example, Harvey Milk wrote a letter to President Carter defending Jones as, quote, a man of the highest character and oh, wow. claimed that the defectors were just trying to damage Jones's reputation. Hmm. Um, on April 11th, 1978, the concerned relatives sent a packet of documents, letters, and affidavits to the people's, of the people's, wait, sent it to the people's temple, to the press, and members of Congress. So they just distributed all of this stuff that they had, all of the documents, all of the affidavits, all of the reports from the defectors, everything that's happened in the people's temple that they can get people to say, you know, hand on a Bible, this happened. Right. The collection of information was titled, quote, An Accusation of Human Rights Violations by Reverend James Warren Jones. In June of 1978, that's when Deborah Layton, who escaped directly from Jonestown, provided the group with another affidavit de detailing crimes by the temple and the substandard living conditions in Jonestown. She's also the one previously that I read about the White Knights. And talking about mm. the um, mass suicide uh, staging. And which is so, like, it's one of those things where, like, she comes out with this affidavit. And, like, it almost feels like they had so many opportunities to actually act on what was being done. And then they just, yeah. like, send one congressman and, like, a reporter <laughs> to Guyana. Yep. Yep. 
Um, they send a few more people than that, but yeah, yeah. But like, they didn't send in like the FBI to like go and try to yeah, get people no out. CIA, no, yeah, yeah. They, there wasn't like a sting operation or something to try to like get people out before shit went bad, which is unfortunate because I feel like a lot of these deaths could have been avoided <laughs> because shit goes real bad in a few days <laughs> oh, here. <yeah. laughs> um, in mid nineteen seventy eight, after Jones's health deteriorated deteriorated and his wife began managing more of Jonestown's operations the work week work week was reduced <laughs> to eight hours a day for five days a week oh wow you go Marceline even though the eight day work week is such a capitalist invention mm-hmm. and I'm like aren't you guys like hella not capitalist you went okay cool yeah b- but like you know it's for the community yeah but then that shouldn't be considered work no like you're doing it for your other people it's not like you're going into an office and like typing on a computer but if you're if your commune is trying to resist and doesn't want to work and then you lessen the work week then you look like the good guy Mm -hmm. and maybe it's not so bad to live here only working my capitalist eight hours a day. <laughs> so Jones was informed that he could have a lung infection, which he immediately Ooh. turned around and announced to his followers that he had lung cancer. <laughs> of course, this was Jimmy. completely oh, a lie in order to try to gain sympathy and strengthen support for him and his wife within the community. Uh, like we have mentioned several times, Jones was still abusing drugs. Um, he was allegedly taking injectable Valium, Quaaludes, stimulants, and barbiturates. In an audio tape from ni- from a 1978 meeting within Jonestown, um, attests to Jones's declining physical conditions. Uh, the commune leader was complaining of high blood pressure, which he had had since the 1950s, small strokes, and a weight loss of 40 pounds in the last week, two weeks of Jonestown. Though he was noticeably still overweight when shit goes yeah. down. Uh, he said he had temporary blindness, convulsions, you know, uh, things that happen when you take a bunch of barbiturates and quaaludes. Yep. In October to early no- early November 1978, um, he was ill in his cabin due to a grotesque swelling of the extremities. Fun. All right, I... I just need to point out, you missed the best part. He wore the sunglasses, not because of the drugs, but because his eyes burned too bright (laughs) to let other people look directly at his face. Yeah, because he's God. (laughs) It's one of my favorite bits. Okay. Um, Jones often mentioned chronic insomnia, uh, and he would say that he went sometimes three or four days without any rest. Bullshit. Yeah. You would be fucking dead on your feet at four days. I mean, you are taking a lot of fucking drugs. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, you really don't get any sleep and you're talking, you're taking all that volume, volume. You know, I think, you're, I think you're getting knocked the fuck out by some of those drugs. Yeah. And barbiturates, like, come it's, on, put you yeah. the fuck out. But he might have had too high of a resistance at that point that he just couldn't take enough. Yeah. During meetings and public addresses, his once sharp speaking voice often sounds slurred. Uh, words ran together or were tripped over, you know, sound like someone who was on quaaludes. Oh, uh, yeah. Reading some of those, some of the uh, transcripts from that, and it's like intelligible word, <laughs> uh, pause, intelligible word. <laughs> 
Yep. Uh, Jones would occasionally not finish sentences, even when reading typed reports <laughs> over the commune's PA system. They oh, know so good. I mean, say. not so good. We finish each other's but... sandwiches. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, so writer the the beans and rice sandwiches that we eat here <laughs> and occasionally there's an egg there's an egg <laughs> only one egg per communal house that's right um Reiterman was a reporter covering jones for the last 18 months of jonestown for the examiner and he was quoted as saying uh it's quote shocking to see his glazed eyes and festering paranoia face to face to realize that nearly a thousand lives, ours included, were in his hands. Then a very sudden and very rapid set of events would cause Jonestown to spiral completely out of control at the arrival Congressman Leo Ryan. You don't say. But that's a conversation for next week's episode. <laughs> that is. That is indeed. Oh man, what a day. What a what a gentleman that Jim Jones. That is exactly how I would describe him. Yes, one hundred percent. What a gentleman. Old old Jonesy, <laughs> Jonesy the gentleman. That's uh, he's something. I just the thing that kills me is the like he is a reincarnation of people who he met. Yeah, like, I am a reincarnation of Father Divine, who also told me to strike fear into the hearts of the followers. <laughs> like. Do you not understand how reincarnation works as a theory? Like you can't be reincarnated I mean, no, as he, someone. He clearly doesn't. As someone who is alive when you are alive, that's not how that works. I also don't. Think... Well, Lennon wasn't. At least he at least named one or two. That <laughs> but like he met Father Divine. It wasn't even like <laughs> he knew him. You right. You right. And uh, well, you said he was born in '48. Hitler was definitely dead. Um, he was born in the 30s. Oh, he was born in the 30s. He was born in 1931. I don't know why I thought you said 48. No, he graduated college in, or high school in 48. Oh, high school. Okay. So, yeah. Then he might, you know, uh, the Hitler was alive. So, I was trying to think of anybody else on his list, but I can't remember now. Stalin, Jesus. Gandhi. Or not Stalin, Lenin. Lenin, Jesus. Lenin, Jesus. Daddy Divine. Buddha. Muhammad Gandhi was alive. Oh, fuck that. Oh, man. That is a fucking episode. Okay. (laughs) Well, thanks for hanging out with us today. While what? While we talk about how fucking wild cults are, especially when they grow to the size of Jonestown, which is true. If he really got 9,000 people in the people's temple that he only took a tenth of them then yeah. to jonestown well so. only a tenth of them were crazy enough to go with him to guyana <laughs> uh we're not gonna victim blame here though <laughs> only he, he a tenth of them though. believed him enough yeah he manipulated yes. them enough to trust that he actually knew what the fuck he was doing and many of them were children and didn't have a choice anyway or were but anyway super next desperate week- minorities too yeah, he preyed upon yeah. the 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 weak in yeah, in he certainly did. in and society really, at the time. It makes me wonder if that whole uh, integration thing was just a ploy for power. So I don't think it was. I think that it's or it wasn't to start. Yeah, with. I think when it started, he really was trying to be an integrationist, and he was trying to do the thing that he thought was right. But then he saw the money in it. 
then he saw the power. Yeah. And power corrupts. Yep. Absolutely. It's power true. Corrupts. It truly, Absolutely. truly does. Uh, but next week, we'll be finishing off this story uh, with the fall and uh, the visitation of Congressman Leo Ryan uh, and all the bullshit that happens then. Uh, and this downward spiral that the cult takes. Uh, so we hope that you'll reach out to us with your own experiences. We would like to hear your stories, your questions, and your feedback. Just send us an email at strangeunusualpodcast at gmail.com. And if you are sending a story, we would like that you like for you to put the words listener story in your subject line so that we can sort through those more easily as we get them in. Um, so do you know any Jonestown survivors or are you, you know, are you a cult survivor yourself? Perhaps we would like to hear that story. Yeah. You can also find us on, on Instagram at strange underscore unusual underscore podcast or our personal accounts, Roy Rampage and Calamity Casey, where we post the weird shit in our personal lives. You can find us on Twitter at underscore strange unusual at Calamity Casey and at Roy Rampage. Or on Facebook, just search for the Strange and Unusual podcast. Um, if you'd like, you can join us over on patreon.com slash strangeunusual. We have access to our Discord on there for one of our tiers. We'll give shout outs to the um, when you sign up or move around if you like go upgrade on the tiers or whatever. Um, as well as voting. Like this is a, um, a choice, a poll that was put up on Patreon for people to vote on and decide which cult we covered. Um, we try to do those uh, fairly once once a month, once every two months or so. Um, we, we fell behind. Well, and we also we also talk about it we in, changed our... in Discord, too. About, yeah. like, you know, what, what we kind of want to talk about, what we'll never talk about. Yes. <laughs> yes. But we also totally understand that right now, you know, we are doing COVID-2, Electric Boogaloo, and mm -hmm. black lives still matter and the society and everything still kind of fucking sucks and it isn't looking great Just. for the foreseeable future so if you can't financially support us we totally understand you can just like share subscribe rate review share us with someone you think would like listening to the podcast engage with us on social media we lose our shit. We literally just start messaging one another, being like, "Did you see somebody message? Someone commented on our thing on Twitter." I don't do that. I'm really cool about it. Uh, you know, I don't. You cut don't someone on blast in this. <laughs> in the first ten minutes, I did that. Yes, I did. I'm a liar. <laughs> Fight me. Anyway, so next week, come in for the thrilling conclusion of Jonestown. You were breaking up there, and I have no idea what you said, but I'm going to laugh and listen to it later. Oh, I, I said the... I'll be surprised. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>